Hello, welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Today, Apostle continues in the faith series that he has been running during our midweek services as he preaches a sermon titled, Fight the Good Fight of Faith. The man of God teaches that we must be single-minded and unwavering in our faith. We must come to a place where our circumstances don't change our confession towards God. So grab your Bibles, your pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I, I'm always excited to give you the word of God at this evening. We're going to be talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. Praise the Lord. When the Apostle Paul was about to depart from the earth, he described his life as a fight. He described his life as a fight. He said, I fought the good fight. It's actually not just any fight. It's called the good fight. And he, that's the way he described his life. And we're going to go to our main text, which is 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse 12. Now this is what the scripture says. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now oh, that's amazing. Timothy is being taught to fight the good fight of faith, and then he's being taught to grab on to eternal life and not let go of it. And notice, this eternal life came through a confession, which you confess in the presence of many witnesses. I'm not sure what your declaration has been. I'm not sure what your confession has been. I'm not sure what you said 2020 is for you. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold on. Now, why are we told to fight the good fight of faith? That shows you that there is going to be opposition to your faith. Sometimes it's not that you're doing something wrong in particular. You know, sometimes someone will come and say, uh, Pastor, ABC went wrong. What am I doing wrong? Sometimes it's not that you're doing wrong. The fact is there is opposition. So the reason we are taught to fight the good fight of faith is because there will be times when situations, whether natural or spiritual, when circumstances, whether caused by natural or spiritual forces, there will be times when these things will try to rebel against the alignment that you're expecting them to have. In those moments, what do you do? Put up a fight. Don't change your confession. Don't stagger with unbelief. Put up a fight. And today I'm going to give you a few keys that will help you to fight the good fight of faith. Number one, be single-minded. Be single-minded. Now I've used the word single-minded because the Bible uses the word double-minded. Have one mind. Be single-minded. What does that mean? 
there are certain things you must begin to adopt now as absolute truths. There are certain things you must begin to adopt as absolute knowledge. Certain things should no longer be up for debate for you. Let me talk a little. Have you noticed that there were certain things that Jesus was absolute about in his speech? For example, he didn't say, I am one of the ways. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am trying to be a way. He didn't say, maybe one day I'll become a way. No, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was very absolute. He was very absolute. Let me show you another scripture that shows how absolute the scriptures are. Romans chapter number 10. I want you to see, let's start from verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. They didn't say you might be saved. They didn't say there's a chance of being saved. It says you will be saved. And then the very next verse, look at what it says. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh -huh. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put in shame. Then they might not. It says will not. There are certain things you must, you, you must begin to understand as absolutes in the scriptures. For example, you want to live a holy life. There is a direct absolute. Walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what I'm trying to say is be single-minded. By that I mean when it comes to the word of God, make your decision from the onset. Make your decision now whether you truly believe it or not. Make a decision to what extent you believe it. Romans chapter 10. Before the scriptures talk about faith, look at what it says in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? The very next verse says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Are you seeing the relationship there? And which report is he talking about? He's quoting Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, it says, uh, verse 1, it says, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So there is a, there is a positive correlation between the, the extent to which you believe the report and the extent to which God's hand will be revealed to you. Make a decision. Become unshakable. The Apostle Paul reached a place where he said, I'm fully convinced. You know, he was so convinced over God's love. Let's read it. Romans 8, verse 38. He was so convinced. You know, maybe let's start from verse. <laughs> let's start from verse. Uh, oh, my God. Let's start from verse 30. You know, we are living in a time. We'll start from 31. Eh? We are living in a time when uh, because everyone has access to platforms that they never had before. You know, there are people who, uh, before now, maybe only had two people listening to them, but now people can, I mean, you can just post a status and you can go viral. Because everyone has got access to platforms, we really need to decide what we believe. And I can tell you, even for those with younger people, teach them now, because we are now living in a world where it's no longer two trees in the garden, there are 70, if not a thousand. Honestly, it, does, it doesn't seem like two trees in the garden anymore. And have you observed that the tree that uh, Adam was not supposed to eat of 
was that tree that was exposing a knowledge that God did not want him to be exposed to. You really have to be careful. And in this period, I've come to realize that if you're not careful, you can begin to feel like a second-class Christian. What do I mean? I mean, you might just come across an article that says if you've not prayed six hours per day, you, what are you doing? You're a part-time believer. You can come across an article that says if you did one, two, three, four things before you got saved, then when you get saved, there are certain things the blood of Jesus deals with and some things it leaves behind. Become fully convinced about what the scriptures say, otherwise you'll be swayed. That's why, what's the whole purpose of having, that, that's why you should know who your pastor is. Isn't that the whole purpose? Then he didn't say he gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. And then it says that you may not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Now look at this. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to me. Even if the whole world is against you, you and God are the majority. If God is for us, who can be against us? Praise God. Praise God. If God is for us, who can be against us? What enchantment can work against us? If it can't work on God, it can't work on me. We, we need to come to that absolute of thought where we are not, we, we, we must come to a place where we are fully convinced. Now, I'm not saying that we don't involve in prayer and in what. But you see, we have to come to a place where we are approaching prayer with confidence. It says this is the confidence that we have. Well, we are approaching it not as a by the way. Even when we are dealing with Satan, there must be this realm we should reach where we absolutely know. So it says, what then shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for your prosperity, No, come on, somebody. If, if God is vying for you, that's why you should, know what, you should know what God wants in your life. If God is vying for your prosperity, what, what, which economy can be against you? Ask Isaac. The economy failed against him. If God is for your safety, what can be against you? If God is for the desires of your heart to be fulfilled, what can be against so it says, what then shall we say to these things? So you, you must learn to say. Aha. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's go on. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not along with him, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Not some things, not a few things, all things. That's why we say all things are mine. And we know what we're talking about. Let's go on. And then listen to this point. It's, it's interesting. There are some who may be listening, and I'll tell you, one of the worst things you can struggle with is condemnation. Let me tell you why. Because the moment you start thinking you're a second-class believer, you will live like one. And wrong believing causes wrong living. It's automatic. And Satan will show you're treated like one. But look at this scripture. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Look at the next verse, you'll see. Uh, and who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you know what he's trying to say? What he's trying to say is this. 
God is the one who justifies. So he's the one who makes righteous. And then he's asking who can condemn when it is, when it is Christ who died, rose, and is always interceding for us. What that means is, if a person did not justify you, did not die for you, then did not rise again to go in the presence of the Father to make intercession for you, then they've got no right to condemn you. No right. What am I trying to say? There are many people I have met who are living in constant condemnation. You know, there's somebody who sent me a message the other day and they just tell me, oh, I just need help. And you know, I just need to be born again properly. Okay, fine. Share the word of God with them, got them saved. Send another message. You don't know how much of a sinner I am. I'm like, okay, maybe is there an issue? We sort it out. Honestly. I've done a lot of counseling. If you were to hear the issues, other people would laugh and say, is this what you're calling issues? Now, and then those same issues happened I don't know how many years ago. It shows you that what are they suffering? Condemnation. And as long as they keep suffering from condemnation, they'll struggle to live a holy life. By the way, there's a difference between condemnation and correction. Correction aligns you. Correction puts you in the place you're supposed to be at. Condemnation throws you far away. Condemnation banishes you out. Correction aligns you. Praise God. Is somebody following me? <laughs> so I'm trying to say that we must come to a place of full conviction. And we are following Apostle Paul. In verse 35, look at what he says. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? In short, he's talking about experiences. You must come to a place where you stop judging God by your experiences. What am I trying to say? You must come to a place where you realize that experiences are not your doctrine. Instead, here, here, here's what I'm trying to say. If you can believe the word of God more than your experiences, they may not change your past, but the word of God will change your future and will change your present. Those experiences don't have to repeat themselves in your life. And, it's, and, and, and he begins to talk, and let's look at verse he says, yeah, you know, these things were more than conquerors. Then let's look at verse 38. In verse 38, he says, for I am persuaded. Other versions say, I am fully convinced. You see what? It's, it's a single-mindedness. He only had one mind. And he says, I'm fully convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall separate, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So if he was to have an encounter and 75 angels came and said from today God doesn't love you, say, hey, that's a lie. I don't think I get it right point. If a devil, if all the devils of the world gathered against him and even if they afflicted him and said God doesn't love you, say, hey, that's a lie. And he, he could say this in prison, he could say this well free. He could say this well, eating well. He could say this well, not eating well. I don't know if you're getting my point. You have to come to a place of single-mindedness where what you believe, you believe. And God is calling for single-mindedness. Have you ever read what happened in the book of Deuteronomy 30 verse 19? Have you noticed what God says to the people through his servant? He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Pick a side, ladies and gentlemen. 
Choose to believe God's word. Pick a side. Choose to believe. Single-mindedness. Let's go. Uh, James chapter number one. And I want us to look at verse... Verse five. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let's go on. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Please don't let this be your favorite song. The next verse. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. What's the problem there? Double-mindedness. What are we calling single-mindedness? Well, this is what you believed. You may feel contrary, but you must come to a place where this is what you have believed. For example, if you believe you are Zambian and you wake up tomorrow feeling like you're Chinese, what are you going to go for? And then the next day you wake up feeling like you're French. You even start saying, hey, it's really too different. Only do for I don't know. I think that's the only way they know. The other day you wake up and you're Spanish. I'm telling you, you might have trouble relating with the world because the fact is who you think you are will determine what rights you think you, you, think you have. It will determine. Whenever I'm in a foreign country, there is a certain sense of freedom that I just don't get, which I get in my country. For example, I have to move with this big passport everywhere I'm going because I know that uh, the fact of the matter is I am not from there. And when I reach my country, <laughs> I don't even have to move with an NRC. No one can talk me out of... I, I know who I am and where I'm from. Now think about it. How will a person make progress in, in school? If every month, this month they believe they're an UNSA student, the next month they believe they're a CBU student, the next month they believe that they're a UNILA student, the other month they believe they're at Zika's. So they keep attending different classes based on what they believe that day. What's the best thing for them to do? Let them go check the records. Let them go check what the papers say about them. Let them check the records. When they look at the records, they will know where they are recorded, where their details are. My friend, go check the book. Go check what's in the book about you. And I challenge you to believe it. Listen. Romans 4 verse 20, when he talks about Abraham, what does it say? It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. When I was younger, I don't know why we used to do this, but there are times what we'll do is we'll just make ourselves busy on purpose. It was so fun. So especially if the yard is a little big, would start spinning around and would be many of us spinning and spinning and spinning. And after we are done spinning, we'll try to walk and we'll all end up walking bent until we fall down. That's staggering. And that's what unbelief does. So when talking about Abraham, it says he staggered not at the promise of God. He did not decide today that, uh, 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 oh, today I believe, the next day I don't believe, today I believe, the next day I don't believe. You'll be like, 
you'll be like that. You'll be like that. You'll be like that. And that's not the way your walk of faith should be. Today, God wants to heal me. The next day, he healed me. The next day, may you please heal me. The other day, Lord, even if you don't heal me, I'll still love you. It sounds so modest, but my friend, pick one. Pick one, and then here's what you do. Fight the good fight of faith with it. Grab a hold. Grab a hold of the life that is squeezed out of it. Grab a hold of the life that is squeezed out of it. And lay hold to your to your confession. Lay hold to your confession. Praise God. I said praise the Lord. And I'm going to show you scripture. So when it comes to this aspect of when it comes to this aspect concerning being single-minded and just being focused and uh, seeing faith as absolute, you know, you have to understand that faith doesn't have uh, various forms of what it is. Faith is something. The Bible says now faith is. Okay? It doesn't say now faith might be or now faith is appearing to be or now faith. No, it says now faith is. So faith is very, it is what it is. <laughs> Praise God. It is what it is. So now, I want us to understand that your confidence, your conviction must be about who he is. And you can also go on to what he can do. You can go on to what he has done. And you can also go on to the promises he's made. So who he is, what has he said? What are the promises he has made? What has he already done? For example, one of the things he's already done is poured out his spirit. I believe that we now need to switch from an asking mentality with regard to certain things to a receiving mentality. Let me explain. Acts 19. What was the promise that Jesus gave the disciples? So the Holy Spirit, right? And Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts 19, give me verse 1. Verse 2. So they went to Ephesus and they found disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Don't you find that interesting? He didn't say, did you ask for him? He said, did you receive? So meaning they already knew that they were in the time, they were in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit where he had been freely given out and our role as believers was more of to receive rather than to ask. Have you noticed that was a question? Did you receive? Did you receive your healing and that divine health when you believed? Have you received it? And guess what they did when they discovered that they hadn't received? They didn't make a mockery of them. They didn't laugh at them. But they did. They did answer. Oh, did you receive that? Oh, not yet. Fine, let's help deliver the package. 
Son, did you receive? Because we know that he has freely given us all things. And that's why we need to start teaching how to receive. Because remember, when Jesus said, uh, when Jesus talked about asking, there's a lot that has to do with your heart, what you say. And there are also certain things that you must do. Praise God. So like I said, I want us to have an understanding that, look, our conviction is in the one who has promised and we're also fully convinced over his promises. We're fully convinced over his word. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. This is Paul talking to the church. And he says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. Praise God. Go back, please. Give me the amplifier. Now, because I changed my original plan, was I being unstable or capricious? Or what I plan? Do I plan according to, a, to the flesh, like a worldly man? Ready to say yes, yes, when it may mean no, no. Ready to say yes, yes, when it may mean no, no. Next verse. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our speech and message to you have not been yes, that might mean no. If anyone is listening to me and you're a preacher in any capacity, one of the things that I would advise you to do from the onset be fully convinced about what you preach. Be fully convinced about what you preach. And I'll tell you how you usually know. It's not really what you say when you're a guest speaker. Because when you're a guest, ah, I'm telling you, you can just go anywhere and say, hey, <laughs> I tell you, everyone here in the next two days, can you know you're starting off? The next day. Praise God. In your home congregation, with people that you know, you even know that they're all, oh, they're 15 challenges, there's that challenge, there's that challenge, there's that challenge, there's that challenge. Do you still believe that God always heals? Do you still believe that God provides divine help? Do you still believe that God prospers? If that's what you believe, preach that. Because I'll tell you the biggest trouble we have sometimes. Sometimes the biggest trouble is that we end up raising double-minded people because we teach them double-minded messages. Is the wisdom of balance there? Yes, but you should know what should be balanced. There are certain topics in the Bible that, that, that you don't balance. For example, we we never c- come and say, um, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then there's a chance you will be saved. But you know, sometimes it happens that uh, maybe the right ventricle of your heart was not cooperating 
and the like. Now, that's, that's trying to add balance where there should be no balance. For the same way we talk of salvation like that, then we can talk of healing like that. Then we can go and say, if you believe, the Bible says, as many as touch the hem of his garment, they all receive their healing. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. I don't say getting my point. There's no need to add, there's, not, there's nothing to balance about that. The Bible says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who although being rich, he became poor for our sakes, so that we may be rich. We've got nothing to balance about that. We've seen it in the scriptures. We believe it. God said it, we believe it, that's enough. No, we must know where to apply the wisdom of balance and where to be, what word can I use? I, I mean this in a rhetorical uh, manner, or should I say in a philosophical manner, and where to just be reckless with our belief. Like just go full out, not with our actions or with our belief. Why you just go full-blown belief? There's a woman I was watching. A dog bit her lip. I should have watched it on Sid Ross's It's Supernatural. And so it was like that for a while. And you know, she was a preacher. So she would go somewhere. You know, some people who don't have that much gate. She would say, hey, you leave. And you know, you're trying, you've come to preach the message of God to them. And she would continue preaching. And you know what she did? She got photos of herself with her lips intact. And she put them on the wall. That became her mirror. And she would always say, this is me. This is me. This is me. This is me. Her lip grew back. Praise the Lord. Her lip grew back. I think I've shared with you before an experience I had. After uh, going through some painful uh, process under the knife with my eye, and the thing that we're trying to get rid of came back. And then I had a dream, and in the dream, the Lord said, you're healed. I'll never forget waking up looking very excited, looking in the mirror, and it was there. I told you about it. I went to preach somewhere. And, you know, very funny meeting because I was expecting a lot of people, but there were four. And of the four, that included me and one person who I came with. <laughs> and the chairperson and the brother. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and, I was, and I was invited as a guest speaker. I even went dressed up for it. I remember reaching, and then the chairperson says, your eye, what's the problem with your eye? It's not so encouraging. <laughs> Praise the Lord. For a while, I'll be honest, for a while, I decided to stop looking at the mirror. For a while. I decided to look at my other mirror. Because the word of God is my mirror. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That's why you must be careful not to replace the word of God with philosophies and wisdom of man. There's a place that there's a place that the wisdom of man can take you. But don't forget that that same wisdom of man, God is able to turn it into what by using foolishness against you. That same wisdom of man. So it says, as surely as God is faithful, is trustworthy and faithful. And means what he says. Our speech and message to you have not been yes that might mean no. Uh -huh. Next verse. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus the Messiah, who has been preached among you by us, by myself, Silvanus, 
and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes. Next verse. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, Christ. That's why we told you who should be the object of your faith? Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author of finish of our faith. And we're being shown here that for as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, Christ. For this reason, we also utter amen. From this day, I don't think the word amen, you will take it lightly. So when you're saying amen, you're agreeing to the yes of God. The yes which is in Christ. So it says, for this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it, to God. Through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. The promises of him are yes and amen. Give me from the New King James. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through, through us. Praise God. That's why if someone says something unbiblical, I'm very stingy with my amen. No, I'm not going to say amen to a bearer that's unbiblical. <laughs> Father, we've come as grasshoppers on that day. And then say to Come to that place. That's the place God is inviting us to. Of single-mindedness. Where we are so sure. Where we are fully convinced. And I will tell you that that coming to that place. It does not mean that everything will always go smoothly. Because that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says in this world you have trials. But take heed have overcome the world. So it does not mean that there won't be any challenges. It does not mean that your faith won't be challenged. It does not mean that there won't be circumstances that will come up to almost rubbish, to seem as though they are rubbish in your faith. But with this very single-mindedness, knowing, being fully convinced of who has promised and what he has promised and how his promises in Christ are yes and amen, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith, fight that good fight of faith. Fight that good fight of faith. Someone may be saying, Apostle, as I'm watching you, as I'm watching you right now, I'm bedridden. You know something? I am already, I'm already inspired by your faith. Because in that bed you're watching me. That's already an act of faith. You know something? Don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop taking those papers to all those workplaces that deserved, that, that should even, that they don't know what blessing will be coming to their lives the day you step in. For their sake, fight. Don't stop pushing for those school fees. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop pushing. Listen, your destiny is worth a fight. Your destiny is worth a fight. And not just any fight. Your destiny is worth the fight of faith. Hold on to those promises. I'll tell you something. The promised land was given to them. But guess what? Joshua had to be a militant man. And the Israelites had to learn to fight. And that fighting that they did in the physical, you'll notice that's what we do spiritually. We must still learn to fight that fight of faith. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting. 
God has shown you, dear preacher, 300,000 branches. Don't stop fighting till you get there. Why settle for two? Don't stop fighting. Come on, don't stop fighting. Fight. 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 Praise God. You fight with your consistency. Be consistent in your confession. Be consistent in your action. Keep saying the right things and doing the right things. The Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you shall reap. Fight. Don't stop fighting. Tonight I came with just one purpose. To challenge you. To challenge you. That no matter what life throws at you, throw back at it your faith. Praise God. I've been teaching you on faith all this while. I've taught you how when your faith becomes great, it's where you've come to a place of revelation. You've come to a place of knowing. I've taught you how when your faith is strong, it's where you've learned to exercise it and you've developed stamina. Now you're getting my point. It's where you can tell Goliath, saying, hey, Goliath, you don't know my CV. You don't know, my, you don't know, you don't know the battles I've fought. You don't know that I was once with a lion. I was once with a bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine which dares defy the armies of Israel? Praise God. Keep fighting. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop being bold about your confessions. You're saying, well, I, I want to, one of my desires in life is I want to be this uh, wonderful husband or wonderful wife, mother, and the like, but the right person didn't seem to be showing up. Keep talking. Keep speaking. Keep looking good. There's nothing wrong with having desires. And the Bible says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Don't start subscribing. <laughs> I know sometimes people defeat their own faith by certain things that they do. You know, you even know deep down in your heart that you want a job by today. You hear your friend has gotten a job or a promotion. You go on your WhatsApp and post a photo of two mangoes. One which is green, the other one yellow. And start talking about how mangoes don't get ripe on the same day. You know what you're doing? <laughs> I don't think that's really encouraging your faith. Eh? Is it? Do you know that by doing that, you're simply saying, my season has not yet come. I don't know about you, but in a world where there's seasons and times, <laughs> this one is my season. What about the next one? It's also mine. No, even the next one is mine. Praise God. Somebody say, every season is mine. Say it one more time. Every season is mine. I would like us to look at one final scripture as we close the faith series. One final scripture as we close the faith series. How many of you have enjoyed this series? How many of you have enjoyed it? Tell somebody, this is my season. Say one more time, this is my season. Say, this is my year. I've been so shocked by people who've given up on the year 2020. Are you serious? That's all it took. 
You're living too much for us. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got so used. There used to be a time, uh, and I'm sure this year we'll receive a lot of those messages. You know, there was a time every time the year is ending, or the, we'll go to Jeremiah 13 and 7. That'll be our final scripture for you to do. Um, every time a year is ending, the message would be, you know what? I know this year has been hard. It's been so terrible. But next year. Now, I heard that sermon like three years in a row. So I decided that every year was going to be my year. And I realized I didn't have to have a bad previous year for me to have a good one. There's actually such a thing called glory to glory. Jeremiah 17 verse 7. This is my year. I've never had a year like this one. I'm telling you, this has been one of the best years of my life so far. This is a year I've learned how to fight. This is a year I've learned how to be inventive. This is a year that I've learned how to come to you like this. I've learned so much this year, which I would need next year. Because because when everything is back to the way it's supposed to be, guess what? I'll no longer just be a preacher who can only use one channel. Now, now I don't know, there are so many things I've learned which even when things are normalized, my goodness. <laughs> conference after conference after conference. <laughs> and then, because of the many souls that will win, heaven will experience party after party. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It says, give me from the King James. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Let's go on. I want you to see this. He shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads its roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Give me from the New King James. It says, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. <laughs> Are you seeing that? That's why we're telling you to be rooted in this thing. You know that biblically we are trees, and we know what the water is. The water is the word of God. Be rooted in the word of God. Guess what will happen? You will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf shall be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Every other tree is experiencing a year of drought. Every other tree is experiencing a year of lockdown. For you, you do not cease to be evergreen. Come on. You are living an evergreen life in the name of Jesus. And he says, no, will cease from yielding fruit. Every year can be your year. Praise God. God is not going to change his mind about your year. Every year must be your year. Every year is your year. Ah, 2020 still has got a lot of good. It's got a lot of good for me. Ah, it's got a lot of good for me. Listen, whether it means removing it gently from the... Sometimes you have to remove something gently from the tube. If it's being difficult, squeeze it out. How <laughs> I know that 2020 is my year. Oh, I've never experienced exponential growth like 2020. This shall be like a dream, the Lord says. You look and say, what? 
This is where we are after that. That's what the Lord is saying about this ministry. The height of growth we're about to experience is crazy. May that be the same over your life. I decree and declare in Jesus' name, you are one of those who they write about as those who've conquered by faith. Name of Jesus, you will never stop bearing fruit. Now, I perceive that you have faith to be healed. I perceive that you have faith to receive the Holy Ghost and start praying in tongues. I perceive that you have faith to start walking in dimensions of favor with men and with God that have never walked in before. I perceive that you have faith for prosperity. I perceive that you have faith for church growth. I perceive that you have faith. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, receive that which is yours. Receive your portion now. Receive your health. Bartimaeus said before Jesus that I might receive my sight. He knew it was his. In the name of Jesus, receive your health. Receive your cleansing. Receive your joy. You've seen it in the word, it's yours. In the name of Jesus, receive that business idea. In the name of Jesus, receive that capital. In the name of Jesus, receive that progress in your business. In the name of Jesus, receive that higher income. In the name of Jesus, receive that breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, receive that promotion. In the name of Jesus, receive that job. In the name of Jesus, you who's believing for your mother, who's believing for your father, in the name of Jesus, you receive on their behalf. They are receiving. There are people that came to Jesus and they were praying for another person. They, their faith was enough for that other person. Receive for your families. Receive that marriage in the name of Jesus. Receive that divine connection, that divine husband, that divine wife. Receive them in the name of Jesus. Take a moment and pray. Jesus, I receive, I receive, the very best you have to offer, I know it's mine, Jesus, I receive, I receive, the very best you've given me. 
I know it's mine. Lord, I receive. Jesus, I receive. I receive your very best. I know it's mine. Lord, I receive. Jesus, I receive. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. By the Spirit, I sense the Lord working on a CD4 count. Those with me, join me in faith. I receive it. Yes, on, the, on their behalf, I receive it. Like currents of electricity, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, take it! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have come to the end of our service. Otherwise, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God bless you all. Oh, wow. What a service. I've been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on plus 2609537560076 or plus 2609774746679. If you are unable to call us, you can email us on the City of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on the Facebook page at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.